is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. And we want to thank God once again for the Spiritual Cuts leaders and the Spiritual Cuts ministry that's doing the work of the ministry of God. God is blessing us over and over and over again. And we want to thank God for doing what he promised to do in our lives. He's restoring back the years that the canker worm and the palmer worm and the locusts has eaten up. But he says, I'm going to give you back what they have taken from you because I'm the one sent them out there to do it for me. So now that you withstood the pressure of life and the vicissitudes of life and you come into the eternal glory of my knowledge, he says, I'm going to bless you like never before. And we just want to welcome you, all those who are listening to the podcast throughout the world, throughout the earth, throughout the cities, throughout the states. We ask that you continue to share the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God with the others because others need to know about who God is and what God is doing in the earthly realm. And that's what we're going to deal with today. And without further ado, we're going to get right down to the scriptures. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 28. Proverbs 12, verse 28. You often hear me quote this because this is a powerful verse that God used to tie into what Christ was teaching. And it reads, Proverbs 12, 28, And the way of righteousness is eternal life, and in its pathway there is no death. I want to tag this here. The world will be judged in righteousness on an appointed day. The world will be judged in righteousness on a appointed day. There are many things that are happening in, in our society today. The truth of this matter, there are many things that are happening global around the world. It shouldn't, or these things shouldn't be of any surprise to those who study the scriptures and show themselves approval unto God. Because scriptures teaches us in Matthews 24, 4, and it says, And Christ answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and I and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass by the end. But the end is not yet. Verse 7 in Matthew 24. He says, For nation will rise up against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquake in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrow. So all these things that we are witnessing and experiencing in the earth at this particular time, doesn't surprise God. But if you've been studying to show yourself approval unto God, huh? you will realize these things are the beginning of sorrow. This passage of scriptures validates itself. And what's so amazing about the scriptures, Christians and believers has a tendency to believe some scriptures more than others. But Isaiah 55, 11 teaches us that God's word shall come from out of his mouth or go from out of his mouth, and it shall not return to him void, but it shall accomplish what he pleased, and it shall prosper in the thing for which he sent it. And that's including the words of eternal life and living forever and not dying. 
Amen. So if the word of God says there will be wars, nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places, and all these things as of today is actually taking place as we speak, is happening, and the scripture said that these things will happen, let me say that again. If all these things that Christ taught us in the scriptures is happening today as we speak, and scriptures teaches us in Matthew 23, verse 8, and in John 6, 45, huh, that Christ is our teacher, and we all are taught and learned by God. Why do we believe what Christ teaches us in Matthew 24, 4? about wars and nations against nations and earthquakes. But when it comes down to John 5.24, huh, it is difficult for people to believe. Christ was teaching in John 24, John chapter 5, excuse me, verse 24. John 5.24 reads as this. Christ was teaching and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Christians and believers, he or she who hears his word and believes in him who sent him huh, as the Christ who is God, if he or she who believes in him who sent him who is God has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into eternal life. So why is it so easy for Christians and believers to believe in the wars and the rumors of wars, famines and nations and kingdoms against one another or against each other and earthquake? Huh? I tell you why it's easy for them to believe that, because Christians and believers only believe in what they see. After they see what was spoken by Christ and God, after Christ and God, what they were teaching come to pass. Then they make reference back to what was taught and spoken by Christ and God. Then they proclaim the matter to be true. Only because he or she witnessed it with their own eyes and not so much that they have the faith to believe it. Because Christ said in his teaching in John 5, 24, Most assuredly I say to you, he or she who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but pass from death into eternal life. So the words of eternal life is something you can, cannot physically see with your eyes, but you have to believe it in your heart, in your mind, and in your soul in order for it to be manifested in your body. Why is it so important and imperatively, imperatively important for us to understand that? Huh? It is important because Christ began to teach us in Matthew 22, verse 37. Christ teaches us that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Why? Because this is the first and great commandment. So what you believe in your heart and your mind and your soul, you cannot physically see it, but it has to be manifested through the glory. Huh? Remember, 18 inches from your heart to your mind is where Christ and God abides forever in that individual who understand what they have within them. Because the kingdom of God, the glory of God is within you.
Contrary to this teaching Christ taught, we've been taught that tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die. Huh? Can you honestly say to yourself that we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised after reading John 5, 24? If we hear the words of Christ and if we believe in God who sent Christ, hey, we have the everlasting life and we're not coming to judgment but pass from death into eternal life. Does, huh? Does we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised remotely come close to sounding like passing from death into eternal life. See, we've been taught all our lives that when we die, we have eternal life. But if eternal means never ending and, 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 and has no ending, it can't mean after you die. In John, John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Christ began to teach us that there is a resurrected life and there is the eternal life. He says, do you believe thou this? Huh? They that believe in me shall never die. Do you believe that? But the resurrected life, though he may die, yet he shall live again after death in the resurrection. So when we've been taught as little children and still being taught today in the churches that we have eternal life after we die, that is not true of the scriptures because it makes the scriptures false. Huh? But here we read in John 5, 24, where he says, you shall not come into judgment, but you shall pass from death when you resurrected. Huh? It didn't say you should pass from death when you resurrected and have eternal life. It says you should pass from death, that glory. Huh? And now you have eternal life. So death cannot be eternal life as it's supposed to be taught in the churches. Can you honestly say to yourself that we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised after understanding that when Christ taught in John 5, 24, that everlasting life comes to those who understand the knowledge, who have the knowledge and the glory of God. It is remotely not even close to being what Christ was teaching when Christ was saying, I am the bread. And if you eat of this bread hi, that came down from heaven, because I'm the living bread from God come to give you eternal life and you shall not die it does not sound the same so we got to break this middle wall of separation down that the church has been teaching this erroneous teaching that is out there huh not to badgering nobody but to teach somebody what they've been badgered about they've been popping people knocking people hitting people across the head where we all have to die and tomorrow's not promised and nobody's confronting what's being said but yet they say the life and death is in the power of the tongue and they that speak and talk about life should live forever, but they that speaks and talk about death should surely die. Hmm? So you can't keep saying something about the scriptures and revert back to something that is not what the scripture's saying. But you need to remember this one thing that is true of God's word. The word and the people or the Christians and the believers who live in the world as the people of God. 
And as Christians and believers and as saints of God will be judged in righteousness on the appointed day. This scripture, this is this 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 is a scriptures, this is scriptures, and if we are going to believe in one scripture to be true, we have to believe in all scriptures to be true. Why? Because it is the word of God that will not return huh, to him void, and it will accomplish what God pleases, and it shall prosper in the thing and for which he sent it. God sent his word to heal them. Huh? So if God sent his word to heal them and to deliver them from destruction and to deliver them from death. So therefore, watch what the scripture says, huh? That God promised us eternal life. He written these things that you would not be deceived. If God written these words and God said in his word that, you know what I mean? He says that I am telling you this, that you should not be deceived. And I'm letting you know my word should not return to me empty. So if he said, I promise you eternal life, it can't return to him empty. Unless the person who had got the person that the word went to was in emptiness. Because his word will not return to him void. And it will accomplish what God pleases and it shall prosper in the thing for which it sent it. That is very important to realize this. God sent his word to heal them and deliver them from destruction. Let me say that again. God sent his word in this regeneration and in this dispensation of time to Christians and believers and saints of God and delivered them from death. And destruction. Destructions mean the action or the process of causing so, so much damage to something or someone that is no longer existing or cannot be repaired. Hmm? Or the action or process of killing or being killed. So in essence and in furthermore, God sent his word to heal us and deliver us from death. And from being killed. Huh? But I know what you are thinking. How can anybody live forever in this dying and cruel world when it seems like every time you turn around, there is wars and rumors of wars, deaths, fatalities, murders, killing one another, politic, polit uh, 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 the political parties against one another. You have the same party against the same people in the party they're in. You got famine, poverty. All across the country, especially here in our own country, right here among us daily. But yet and all, we have the audacity to send billions of dollars huh, in another country when we don't invest in our own country and cities and states and in communities. And homeless veterans living under the bridge and in tents and out in the cold elements during the winter season. But yet we send billions of dollars to other countries, which I am not against, but I'm against our own political leaders and spiritual church leaders that send billions to other countries before they take care of the elderly here in our own communities, in our own country, in our own states, in our own cities. From what we see 
and experience in the earthly realm today and around the world, we can clearly see that the scriptures and the word in the scriptures are true to the exact point. Christ prophesied according to Matthews 24, 6, is the Christ's prophecy according to Matthews 24, 6 is being fulfilled. And if that's so, everything else that he promised and prophesied should be, be fulfilled as well. And Christ did say in his teaching, and all these things are the beginning of sorrow. Huh? Although we are witnessing a war in Israel and a war in Russia and experiencing earthquakes in Guam, in the Philippines, in New Zealand, huh, the past few days, and even as we speak, there are earthquakes, uh, huh, Kansas City, Texas, San Antonio, Alaska, Arkansas, Carlsbad, New Mexico. We just experienced and witnessed a wildfire in Maui. Hawaii burned an estimated of 2,170 acres, and there were 17 wildfires in California. In California, currently 154,697 acres, and in Texas, there are 234 fires currently, 95,979 acres. The list goes on, huh? We see and hear of these catastrophic events and are things that are happening in the earthly realm involving or causing certain great damage, death, and suffering. It directly links into a famine because people began to be without the necessities of life, huh? such as food, water, and shelter. So the prophecy of Christ is real according to Matthews 24, 6. But on his last day of his 40 days of him being in the earth, being risen from the dead, huh? right before he ascended back to the Father, Christ's disciples asked him a powerful question. Let's, roam, let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Acts chapter 1. It said, in Christ being assembled together with his disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of our Father, which he said, you have heard from him. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Huh? And he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Christ, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I go Israel again. This is powerful because this question is being asked by many Christians and believers today. But look what Christ said to them in Acts 1, 7. And Christ said to them, It is not for you to know, the times or the season which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, with that being read from the scriptures pertaining to Israel, and personally, I believe that Christ was telling his disciples and Christians and believers that they should be concentrating on the promise of our Father, which God has promised us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 25. He promised me and you eternal life. It's easy to get caught up into what the world is doing. 
But he says, I need you to stay focused on what I promise you as my sons and my daughters. We all experiencing all these wars around the world. We are experiencing fatalities around the world. We experiencing people killing and murdering all around the world and all these natural disasters, tornadoes, hurricanes, huh? Snowstorms, earthquakes, wildfires around the world. Nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, politicians against politicians all across the United States of America. Christ said that although we are experiencing huh, all these catastrophic events, all these things are the beginning of sorrow. Hmm? Just remember this one thing. The world or the people that lives in the world will be judged in righteousness on the appointed day. Wow. Let's go to our main scripture, which is Proverbs 12, 28. In the way of righteousness is eternal life. And in the pathway, there is no death. If this verse of scripture is true, and it is, we, when, when we read the scriptures and come across the word righteousness, we actually know it is talking about eternal life. Because if Proverbs 12, 28 huh, says in the B clause, and it is in the pathway, there is no death. It has to only means eternal life because eternal means never ending. And in the pathway, there is no death. There is it. This is imperative important that we understand this verse of scriptures because huh, it brings us into huh, the, another dimension. It brings you into another dimension. It brings them into another dimension. It brings us into another dimension with God and Christ. That's why it's important to understand in the way of righteousness is eternal life. Huh? In, in the pathway, there's no death. So I want you to realize that God is doing a new thing in the earthly realm so that we can understand what God promised us what he's going to do. Amen. So God said that he's going to do what he promised to do because he's God all by himself. So if in the way of righteousness, and if you can understand Proverbs 12, 20, 12, 28, it brings you into another dimension with God in another place with God forever. Because watch this here. All this is Christ's teaching. Remember that. In Matthew 6.33. <clears throat> and everybody, most people know this verse by heart. You know what I mean? Huh? So let me get down with it. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, oh, there go righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. First, we need to find out what is the kingdom of God is. After that, we need to find out what is the righteousness of God. And then we need to find out what things as all these things is that Christ shall add to us. Because if you don't have Huh? The first thing of God, you cannot, and I repeat, you cannot receive the next thing, nor can any of these things can be added to you. 
Matthew 13, 11, and Mark 4, 11, it is says it is for you to know it has been given to me to know. It has been given to you to know. Huh? What is what is the mystery? Christ commanded us that we must know what is the mystery of the kingdom of God is. He says, if you don't get this parable, all parables are laws. So it is imperative, important that you really understand that God says, seek first what is important to me the most. Hmm? But we done changed that scripture up for, in so many ways, so many various ways throughout the years where you don't even know what the kingdom of God is because they're not explaining it in the pulpits. They're not explaining it, huh, in the churches. All they're talking about, seek first the kingdom of God. And all oh, glory, just jumping up and down, running around the church. And ain't nobody in this place could run around the church better than Pastor D. Let me tell you something. If you preach on the kingdom of God and it sound like whatever God God was saying, it sounded nice to me. I would run around young. They said, look at this boy. He need to set his butt down. But I thought I understood the kingdom. Huh? I just thought I understood what was righteousness. Because the added the things wasn't the kingdom. The thing that God was adding had nothing to do with what they say the kingdom of God was. Hmm? So it is for you to know and it has been given as a commandment of Christ for you and I to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So now if Matthew 6.33 says that it is a prerequisite uh, for us to seek the kingdom of God first, and now we find out that the kingdom of God is a mystery, then we have to research the scriptures to find out what exactly the kingdom of God is. If, in fact, it is a mystery. In the meantime, we are doing our research on the scriptures. Remember this here from out of Deuteronomy 29, 29. He says the secret things belongs to God. Huh? But those things that are revealed belongs to us and our children forever. So if we realize and we find out what the mystery of God is, it belongs to us forever and for our children. That is a, ba a major problem because our children don't even know what the kingdom of God is. And the church folks don't know how to explain what it is because we've never been really explained what the kingdom of God truly is. But remember Deuteronomy 29 says it is something secret. God said it has to be revealed. If it, is, if it is a prerequisite for us to know, and if it is a commandment that we know the mistress of the kingdom of God, it has to be revealed as a secret. Why? Because the kingdom of God belongs to God. Huh? And the word mystery means something that is difficult, or impossible to understand or explain. This is heavy to me. If you don't know what you're seeking for first, it is impossible to understand God's secret and mystery of his kingdom. And if you don't understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God, you cannot by any means explain it. In a short version, explaining the mysteries of the kingdom of God is his glory.
It is found in Matthews chapter 16 and 17, and it is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 32. We have podcasts that explain the whole entire process, so we know we are seeking first God's glory. When Moses said in Exodus 33, uh, 18, Father, show me your glory. So when Moses asked for his glory, God revealed it. Because Moses had been with the Father for, for, for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he came down in front of the people that was ignorant, huh? when he went out to speak to them, the glory was so thick on him, he had to put a veil on his face. When he put a veil on his face, God said, they don't understand the glory. So I need you to come back in here. So when he went back in there to speak with God, he took the veil off his face. And God said, now go back out and speak to the people and show my glory. But the glory was so thick, he had to re-put the veil back on his face. But when he came back in, had glory, God revealed to him what the glory of God was. He said, show me your glory. So Moses was revealed God's glory after the second time coming in the presence of God. So God didn't just hand it to him. It had to be revealed to him. So when God did that, something so amazing happened. Hey, God. So in Matthew 6.33, we seek God's glory first. Huh? When was the last time you seek the glory of God first? Along with God's glory, we have to seek first as well his righteousness. We found out in Proverbs 12.28, God's righteousness is eternal life because there is no death in the pathway. So when God showed Moses his glory, God ended up showing Moses again in glory in Matthew 16 and in Matthew 17 and in Luke 9, 23, huh? 9, 24 and 9, 25. You got to go read that. And it was Moses and Elijah that appeared in glory to tell Jesus about his death. So God revealed death to Jesus through Moses and Elijah. Glory. Come out. You got to be kidding me. So the righteousness of God is eternal life because there is no path. There is no death in the pathway. So in essence, in retrospect, God desires for you and God desires for me and Christians and believers is to seek first his glory and his eternal life. He promised us as our father, and then he will what? He will add the body of Christ in order for us who believe in the eternal spirit of God and the eternal spirit of Christ and know what is the mystery of the kingdom of God and able to explain and understand why we know we have eternal life and will not die. Although there are wars. And rumors of wars, nations against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms, and earthquakes, wildfire all over the world, and murdering and killing everywhere. Scripture teaches us these things in these last days where we will experience and will witness all these things we are seeing that we are see happening. So don't be alone, because this is the beginning of sorrow. Second Timothy. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter 3. Let's see what this says about all these things happening. Now, I'm going to read this, and you got to understand. 
This is how powerful the scriptures is. If you search the scriptures, you know you have eternal life. John 30, John, John chapter 5, verse 39. It'll show you you got eternal life. So watch what the scripture teaches us in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, Christians and believers, that in the last days, perilous times will come, meaning the earth and around the world, there will be danger and death surrounding us all about, from the east to the west and from the north to the south. We will be experienced perilous times in these last days, for men and women will be lovers of themselves. Tell me you're not seeing that. Men marrying men, women marrying women, lovers of money, huh? Boasters, proud, blasphemy, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy. We experience that in our own household. Unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, high, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's heavy. Because we witness daily. Christians and believers are more supportive of their favorite sporting event than they are about learning the words of eternal life and learning about what is the mystery of the kingdom of God and his eternal righteousness. Christians and believers are more lovers of pleasure than being more lovers of God. Why? Because they have a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Because these are the people who say out of their mouth and believe in their heart. There, huh? That tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die. They believe that in their heart and they say that out of their mouth. I said earlier about Proverbs 20, huh? Proverbs uh, 18, 21. The life and death is in the power of the tongue. The word of God says, stay away from these who have these type of conversations. You don't have to leave their presence, but you don't have to indulge in that foolishness with that type of conversation now that you have so learned Christ. You can make corrections, and you can just let them know, what if you can live forever? Would you decide to do so today? Huh? You don't have to get all mean about it. That means it could be you, huh? It could be you, the one changed them. But God has to put in their heart already for them to be changed. But most people are already, like I say, damaged. They are so damaged. It is amazing. But Christ warned us of them to remember in Matthews. Look what he says in Matthew. Huh? Because a lot of these people could be our loved ones, believe it or not. And I don't think they talk about this or think like this, sir, because they're trying to be uh, offensive. I think they don't understand what they've been taught is offensive to God. Because you have to think about these scriptures when you're talking, teaching them, and believing in them. So look what Matthew says about our loved one. And Christ was teaching us about our loved ones. So Christ said to them, Matthew 19, 28, I say to you, 
that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed him will also sit on the throne, huh? Will sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That go Israel again. In verse 29, it says, everyone, including Christians and believers, who has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, husband, children, land, for Christ's name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. We got message on the hundredfold, the thirty, the sixty, and the ten. The hundredfold. You inherited eternal life because you get you are now separating yourself from among these people. Don't let them bring that into your spirit and talk this type of talk into you. Now, if that's what they believe in, let them do so. I'm not going to sit there and argue with anybody about wanting to. Tomorrow's not promised. And we all have to die. Joke, if you want to go, I see you. And this is heavy because it may not sound major, but it's important because we have to understand that these people are the ones who got us in this position where we shouldn't be. We all been taught that. Huh? You're going to have to let your loved ones do what they do because they only have a form of godliness. But denying the power of God when they say out of their mouth and believe in their hearts that we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised. And the reason they believe and think like this is because of their loved ones have been taught. We have been taught by our loved ones the same thing. And now they have, huh? You have the, the, the now they have you believing. We all have to die. And tomorrow's not promised because it's a normal conversation to have. Hmm? But the scriptures teaches us they are denying the power of God and that we should stay away from such people, regardless if they are your loved ones, because you will not inherit it in eternal life with that type of teaching and that type of conversation. For Christ's namesake, this is why you're doing it. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 7, it tells us about our love because our loved ones, the ones who go to church every Sunday and every time the doors of the church is open and the rest of the Christians and believers out there, they are always learning things pertaining to Christ, but never come on. They are never able to come into the knowledge of the truth of God and Christ. Why? Because Ephesians 4.20 says, because they have not so learned Christ, nor have they heard or been taught about Christ, has given us eternal life through his eternal spirit of God, as the truth is in Jesus. Come on. However, and furthermore, <clears throat> whether you have heard or learned or been taught by Christ, this one thing that, that Christ prophesies Huh? Christ prophesies to us that will happen in these last days, especially to those who are serving and worshiping the unknown God. And the sad part of this, most Christians and believers don't have a clue or don't even know that they are worshipers. 
Huh? You hear what I'm saying? They don't even know that they are worshiping the unknown God. Now, let me clarify this statement, the unknown God. Over the past few days or the past months, the past few months, or if you have spoken out of your mouth and you believe in your heart, we all have to die and tomorrow's not promised, regardless of what you see and experiencing in the earth and around the world today. If you believe we all have to die and tomorrow's not promised in your heart, yes, you are one of them. Whether you consider yourself a Christian or a believer or for all those who consider themselves a saint of God. And you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. We all have to die. And tomorrow is not promised. Yes, you are one of them who worship and serve the unknown God. And I say this to your shame. And this reason, and the reason I say this to your shame, is because the scripture teaches us that the world and the people in it, especially Christians and believers, especially saints of God, will be judged in righteousness on an appointed day. Proverbs 28, <clears throat> 12, 28 says, in the way of righteousness is eternal life. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the way of righteousness is eternal life, and in the pathway there is no death. The world and the people who live in it will be judged in righteousness on a appointed day. I'm repeating this so that you can get the understanding and the knowledge that God wants you to have. In Acts 17, 30, verse 30 and 31, it reads, <clears throat> These times, truly, these times of ignorance, God overlooked and winked, but now commands all men and women to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world and the people who live in it in righteousness or in eternal life by the man whom he has ordained who is Christ he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead huh so he's talking about Christ this is heavy to me you just look what Christ teaches us about being in the world let John 17:15 this is heavy because when you begin to understand the scriptures, it began to open up your mind and bring you into another dimension in God. John 17, 15, he says, I do not pray. Now, this is Christ's last prayer. You got to watch out now. It's not my prayer. It's not Pastor D's prayer. This is Christ's last prayer to the Father on our behalf. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Come on but that you, God, should keep them, who? Us, those who believe and know that you have given us eternal life, Father. Huh? I pray as your son Christ that you keep them from out, huh? Keep them from the evil one who is death. I pray that you take them not out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. So now Christ prayed to God, that he keep us in the world. You got to read that. Go to the verses below that. He said they are in the world, but not of the world. 
He said, but don't take them out of the world, but keep us from death. Now, this verse here in John 17, <clears throat> verse 15, John chapter 17, verse 15, is referring to <clears throat> the initial prayer Christ began to pray in John 17, 1. Let's go there. 14 verses up. Christ spoke these words to God and lifted up his eyes to God in heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son as your son has glorified you. John 17, verse 2. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know you, Father, that the only true God, the Son of Christ, whom you have sent. Look what he said. That's what he was saying when he was saying in John 17, I glorify you in, in the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So when Christ was teaching in John 17, 15, he was referring to this past, this passage of scriptures in John 17, 1. Take them not out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Keep them from death. Father, I pray on your behalf that as many as you have given me eternal life, I have given them. How could you go around and continue to say we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised? By the way, let me remind you that this prayer of Christ to God was his last prayer. He prayed to God on our behalf. And we need to also recognize that this last prayer of Christ huh, that he prayed to God was pertaining to he has given us eternal life to all those who have the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Christ. Then he told God that he had finished the work that he had sent him to do. So what was Christ sent to do as a job? Now you have to ask yourself, what was he explaining to his his father, our God, he has finished. Let's go to John chapter 12, verse 48. He or she, he or she who reject Christ and receive not his word has God who judge him or her. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him or her in the last day. Christ said to them, for I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which, who sent me to do the work of him, because he gave me a commandment of what I should teach. He gave me a commandment of what I should say. He gave me a commandment of what I should speak. And this is the job that I had as a commandment to teach, speak, and say in verse 50, he says, and I know that my father commanded me and told me this is your job, son, that you have given everlasting life, life everlasting. And this is my job to teach life everlasting. This is my job to teach life everlasting, and it's my job to speak life everlasting, and it's my job to say 
to everyone who believe in you, Father, and the one who you sent is to teach him everlasting life. Oh, I'm trying to be cool today. The world and the people who live in it will be judged in life everlasting on an appointed day. John 17, 2 says, God has given Christ power over all flesh. Why? Because he has given eternal life to as many as God has given him. If Christ has power over all flesh and has given eternal life to as many as God has given him, and the scripture teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man or if any woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creation and death in our body has become an old thing that has passed away. This should indicate or insinuate to us that we too should have power over all flesh, especially our own. Scriptures also teaches us through Christ's teaching in Luke 10, 18 and 19. Christ was teaching his disciples the principles of having his power. He said to them, he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's how fast he went. Y'all saw that? I didn't even see that, and I said it. He saw Titan. He saw Satan, the devil, death, fall from my try to take God's job. Try to tell God what to do. That's what's wrong with the people in the earth now. They want to tell God, oh, it's all right to marry men, marry men and women. You know, you just got to love them. You can love them. You got to love that foolishness. Huh? I mean, I'm not against it. That's what they do. That's what they, they have to be. Oh, glory. They have to be judged. Hey, glory. Well, oh, let me finish. Christ was teaching his disciples the principles of having his power. He said to them, he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19 is where I'm trying to get to. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold and look at this. I have given you as a Christian and believer and saints of God. I've given you authority to trample and to tread on or walk on or crush on the serpents and the scorpions. Huh? And I have given you all the power. Yes. Not some like most people think and has been taught, but Christ has given us all the power over the enemy and nothing shall by any means shall hurt you. And the only reason Christians and believers hurt themselves is because they relinquish the power back to the enemy. When they say and declare to one another or when they have a spiritual conversation with each other that we all have to die and tomorrow is not promised and we all can't be here forever, they are actually taking the power that Christ has given them once over back to the enemy. So Christ gave it to us at a particular time, and yet we give it back huh? to the enemy. People are giving the enemy back the power Christ gave them all the power over. And you know, all the power that Christ has given them over death, and it is back. Huh? Watch, let me say this again. Let me read this slowly. Let me slow, let me slow down. They are actually taking the power that Christ has given them over the enemy or the power that Christ has given them over death and give it back to death and the enemy. In Luke 
10:19, Christ has given us all the power over the enemy. And in 1 Corinthians 15:26, it says, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So in retrospect, if Christ has given us all the power over the enemy and the last enemy to be destroyed is death, that means Christ has given us power over death. But the problem resides in whether Christians and believers and the saints of God truly believe that for a fact that Christ has given us all the power over death. For all, for a fact that Christ has given us all the power over all flesh, especially our own. So in essence, and in retrospect, when Christ and when Christians and believers and the saints of God huh, say from out of their mouth and believe in their hearts where the power of the tongue is, where death and eternal life is spoken from, when they make a declaration to one another, we all have to die, and tomorrow is not promised, they are actually relinquishing the power Christ once given them and handing it back over to death and the enemy. And in return, the enemy and death take back over the flesh. When at one time, Christ has given us all the power over in all the power over our flesh. Over in his last prayer, he prayed to God, our Father. You hear me? He prayed the last prayer to our Father that he has given us all power over all flesh, over the, all the enemy in Luke chapter 10. So the last enemy to be destroyed is death. God has given us all power over death. And here we relinquish it and get death back his power because now you have to understand this. Christ was praying on our behalf to the Father that God take us as his sons and daughters, not out of the world, but that he keep us from death, the enemy and the evil one. But on the other hand, Christians and believers continue to speak out their mouth and believe in their heart. We all have to die and tomorrow's not promised. And at the same time, this is con this continue to be spoken in the presence of your flesh. Your flesh listens to what you are telling it to do. Why? Because you have been given power over your flesh from Christ and your flesh obey your voice. Because your flesh know that you are the shepherd of its soul. Come on. And whatever you speak to your flesh, and because you have been given all the power over your flesh through Christ, your flesh began to deteriorate every day because you have a death sentence on your body and a death sentence on your flesh because you're still saying tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die. Come on. Foolishness. You got to be kidding me. Because you are sticking death to your flesh and cause it to slowly die. So when your flesh and your body finally reach death, it only got what it's been asking for. It only got what you've been praying for. Because death and eternal life is in the power of the tongue. And he or she who loves death shall eat the fruit of death. 
and he or she who love eternal life shall eat the fruit of eternal life. Come on. And deterioration comes into the flesh and the body because you have been taught through all the years and all these all this time to kill yourself. Huh? Through the power of your tongue. You haven't realized that this is the cause of the majority of the deaths we see every day. Believe it or not, Christ taught us this would happen in John 16, chapter 1. Huh? John chapter 16, verse 1. This was before he prayed in John 17. He gave us a warning. So now we're in John 16 to tell you about what he prayed for in 17. This was before he prayed on our behalf about eternal life and that God take us not out of the world, but keep us from death and the last enemy and evil. Huh? In John 16, look what Christ was teaching. These things I have spoken to you, Christians and believers, that you should not be made to stumble and fall or even die. Verse 2 in John 16 is where it's at. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the spiritual church leaders in 2023 will put you out of the synagogue and the temple of God and the house of God that is made without hands. He created on the sixth day, the eternal body of Christ. They will teach you huh, to believe in that tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die. Yes, this is this time is is here right now that those who are teaching you this message against Christ's last prayer in John 17, whoever is teaching you this, causing your flesh and your body to deteriorate and eventually die and are killing you. This is the most powerful statement I ever read in the Bible. They say, and these are they who think they're offering of God a service. Come on. How do you let people, how do you teach people once you come into the knowledge that God is promising us eternal life? And yet you're still teaching that about the tomorrow's not promised and we all have to die. You got to be kidding me. Although all these things are happening right now before our eyes today, they still think they're doing God a service. Hmm? You don't scare me with death. The war don't scare me. Death don't scare me. And death shouldn't scare you. God promised me, gave me power over death. Gave me power over the enemy. So I have to ask God, and the enemy has to ask God to touch me. The enemy has to ask God to touch you. But if you just say out of your mouth, out of the deterioration of your body, you just all have to die and tomorrow's not promised, you, God don't need, the enemy don't need no permission. You don't relinquish the power back to the enemy. We are responsible for our own soul. And we have to ask ourselves, do we want to live or live our life for God or live our life from what other people believe in? Like tomorrow is not promised. We all have to die, especially if God is the author and the finisher of tomorrow. See, you thought I was going to say faith. 
God is the author and the finisher of our faith, but the truth of the matter, God is the author and the finisher of our tomorrow. If God promised you and God promised me to live forever and not die, he is the author and the finisher of my tomorrow. So if I believe in God, why would I say out of my mouth that foolishness? We all have to die tomorrow's not promised. Then you read the scriptures out of Proverbs 18, 21, like you're all profound. Shut up. Be quiet. What that foolishness? Nobody want to hear that? In the same, in the same sentence, you, 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 you use Proverbs, and then before you complete the sentence you use, you, you, we all ain't going to be here tomorrow. Get out of my face. Let me get out of that. I'm going to have no friends. We are responsible to believe that God has promised us. Oh, my God. He's the author and the finisher of our tomorrow. God has the final say-so. If tomorrow is promised to you, if tomorrow is promised to me, whether or not tomorrow will be. Don't make it easy for the enemy. Maybe that's going to be the next message. Don't make it easy for the enemy to wipe you out. Hmm? Christ prayed that you take you not out of the world. But wipe the enemy out. Take death out. Come on. Why would he pray such a prayer? Powerful prayer. We are responsible to believe that God has promised us eternal life, which, by the way, indicates tomorrow and the next day. Amen. I'm almost done. This is why Scripture teaches us the world and the people who live in it will be judged in eternal life and in righteousness on an appointed day. Proverbs 12, 28, in the way of righteousness is eternal life, and in the pathway there is no death. Y'all hear me? If God is going to judge the world in righteousness, and in righteousness, look what he said, and in righteousness, huh, is eternal life in the way of righteousness. Let me say that again. If God is going to judge the world in righteousness, and if righteousness is, is in the way of righteousness is eternal life, Huh? Or is the eternal life of the glory of God? And now in 2023, this indicate. So with, for this, what this indication is, is for us to understand and comprehend this is God's chosen people. Because you have to understand that God is looking for somebody in 2023 to deliver the words of eternal life. Because that's what's being judged. Y'all think Israel is being judged. It's not Israel that's being judged. It's the eternal glory of God. So I want you to realize that God is speaking into your hearing the body of his power, the body of his son Christ, and the power of God. So now I want you to understand that means on an appointed day, which I believe is now in 2023, and the indication for us understanding and comprehending this is God's chosen people are at war today as we speak. This is the greatest announcement that we will ever get from God through the prophecy of Christ in Matthew 24, 6. There are so many chosen people, such as Christians and believers, huh? saints of God, who are going around profaning the word of God and is not respecting or being respectful of what he has promised us through his son Christ. Regardless of your ethnicity group, 
you derive from or your religion believe. God has appointed this day for judgment for people and not just one category of people, but the people he has appointed this, this day of judgment is demonstrating is for all people. He's demonstrating his judgment for all people. You hear what I'm saying? All races, all nationalities, all ethnicity groups, all Muslims, all Christians, all believers, all the saints of God, all those who are saved and all those who are unsaved, to all those who are orthodox, all those who are unorthodox religion practice. He's, he's judging the earth for his eternal glory. Acts 17.30, go and look at it. Because if in the way of righteousness, in the way of righteousness, eternal life, and God is going to appoint, he's going to, he has appointed a day to judge righteousness. So he's appointed a day to judge eternal life. Oh, glory. My God. God is now making a proclamation that he is judging the world in eternal life. So my question to you is, do you believe that tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die? Because of what our parents taught us and our spiritual leaders has taught us and still teaching. Do you believe that God has promised us eternal life in the first John 2.25 and that this eternal life is given to us through his eternal son who is Christ in first John 5.11 that you may know in first John 5.13 that you may know that you have eternal life which, by the way, is the testimony of God, not the testimony of a man, not the testimony of a woman, but this is the testimony of God. Isaiah 53 says, who's going to believe in our report? Huh? Who is the, how, who's going to believe in the power of God being revealed? He's judging us, my brothers and sisters. Who has believed our report? And to whom has he believed in the power of God that's been revealed through the prayer in John 17, 1, and through the teaching of Christ in John 6, 51? It reads, Christ is the living bread that came down from God. And if we, Christians and believers and saints of God, eat of this bread, they will have and they will live forever and not die. But if you eat of the bread of death, how you eat of the bread of the enemy and continue to eat the bread of death and the enemy, that tells you, huh, tomorrow is not promised and we all have to die. You will be, you will be that person and you will be that individual that God will judge on this appointed day because you didn't and you don't even up to this day, believe in God and Christ's testimony that has in fact unequivocally, which leads us without a shot of a doubt that God and Christ has promised us eternal life. Kabbalah, the world and the people who live in it will be and is now, right now as we speak, being judged in eternal life. Do you believe thou this? John chapter 11, verse 26. Do you believe thou this? The world 
and the people who live in it will be judged right now in eternal life. And the time is now. This is Pastor D coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. I want to thank God for all the blessings he had bestowed upon us. My brother, these messages are so heavy and so powerful. You have to listen to them. Huh? Sometimes I get a little rowdy and it seems like I'm, I'm picking on people, but I'm not. I want so many people to come into the knowledge of the glory of God and understand that we can't continue to let our sons, our daughters, our grandchildren go around believing in this foolishness about tomorrow. It's not promised and we all have to die. Somebody has to stand in the gap and make the change that's necessary, needed in the words of God because God promised you and God promised me that his word would not return to him void and if he said my testimony is that you have eternal life it just be sent out and prosper for what he sent it out to do. That's God. This is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. May God bless you and your family forever. I want to thank each and every one of y'all.